questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Today we are embarking on a journey through time, space, and the unknown with a Hollywood insider turned UFO researcher and author of a groundbreaking new sci-fi novel, Dan Harari. With over 40 years of experience in the entertainment industry, Dan has rubbed shoulders with the biggest stars in film, TV, and music. And now he's on a mission to uncover the truth about UFOs and extraterrestrial life. Dan's fascination with UFOs goes back to 1970, when he and his father had a sighting of a massive silver flying the UFO in New Jersey. His late father, a top-secret clearance electronics engineer for the U.S. Army, may have known more about it than he let on. Dan's own experiences with UFO sightings, including one in 1994 and another in 2008, have fueled his curiosity and driven him to seek out the truth. But this is not just another conspiracy theory. Dan's father was possibly involved in the reverse engineering of UFO technology, and Dan's latest book, After They Came, has been hailed as a must-read by top UFO experts and researchers. It blends historical UFO lore with a unique and thrilling premise that will leave you on the edge of your seat. Dan is just not a novelist. He is also a three-time UFO experiencer and a member of the global MUFON, LA UFO Research Organization, and a passionate advocate for the disclosure of the truth behind the recently downed UAPs over North America in February 2023. So get ready for an exciting conversation that will take you to the edges of what we know, and maybe even beyond. Welcome to Veritas. If this is your first time listening, welcome home. To access tonight's full interview and all of our exclusive material, simply join the Veritas Plus family by clicking on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. And while you're there, don't forget to check out the Veritas store for a range of great products, including focused life force energy. Experience the power of FLFE with a 15-day free trial today. No credit card required. We're excited to announce the launch of our brand new Veritas Plus Insider, your source for exclusive news and insights you won't find anywhere else. If you're looking to get in touch with Mel, have a guest suggestion, or would like to provide feedback, simply click on the contact button on our website. So sit back, relax, and enjoy tonight's show. And now, here's your host, Mel Hasselrich. And directly from Beverly Hills, California, I'd like to welcome Dan Harari. Hello, Dan, and Hi, welcome Mel. to Very Times. Hi, Hi, Mel. How are you? Thank you very much for having me on. It's My very- pleasure. And the first question, Dan, I have to ask you, I usually start by going in chronological order, but you have an, an insatiable appetite like me to know the truth. And there's a lot of information coming down in the media about the down UFO. So what inspired you to demand that President Biden and the U.S. military reveal the details behind the three recently down UAPs which appear over North America during February, and I believe there are some balloons flying around as we speak. I heard that. I heard there's one coming out from uh, Hawaii. <clears throat> so in February, I've been, I'm a longtime UFO uh, researcher, and I would also say I'm a UFO enthusiast, Mel. I, I love the study of ufology. I find it absolutely fascinating, and we can get into how that started for me. Uh, in February, as we all know, a very large Chinese man-made, man-made, that's the key word there, man-made Chinese balloon blew over uh, the United States. It was seen on TV every night for a week. We saw its progress as it went over from Montana to the southern states to the ocean. We saw it on TV. And then also on TV, on, I saw it on CNN. They showed uh, the military people fishing, fishing it out of the Atlantic Ocean. So we know that it was man-made and it was from China. And we saw them, we saw them get actually retrieve the debris out of the Atlantic Ocean, which is terrific. Okay, that's fine. The next week, three days in a row, February 10, 11, and 12, as you know and your audience knows, uh, the US military shot down three UAPs three days in a row over North America. The first was over Alaska, the second was over Canada, the third was over Lake Huron. What's very curious, Mel, is that 
all the talk in the media and President Biden and everybody, China balloon, China balloon, China balloon. Okay, we know all about the China balloon. You know, you guys fished it out of the sea. We know all about it. What about these other three objects that you just shot out of the sky? What were they? Oh, well, 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 you know, well, we just had the China balloon. And it was obfuscation and misdirection. And, you know, I have a cousin who's a world famous magician, believe it or not. And, and he always says a magician, a good magician does a trick in his right hand is, is, is where he wants his audience to be looking at his right hand. But he's really doing the trick in his left hand behind his back. And that's what President Biden and the military and our leaders were doing. They they Because that week they said, well, you know, there were some more balloons over North America. Uh, we're not sure what they were, but, uh, you know, we shot them all down. So, you know, everything's cool. Don't worry about it. They never showed us de debris. They never showed any evidence that they went looking for them. Of course they did. Of course they did. They never showed video of the pilots in their military craft shooting down the UAPs. Of course that video, those videos exist. One of the craft was said to be the size of a car. One was a cylinder. These were not balloons. And, the, and, and perhaps they were man-made objects, okay? But these were not balloons. They were clumped in together with the China balloon. And then I watched President Biden on TV say, you know, we just shot down three UAPs. We think the first one was a balloon from a hobby group out of Montana. But you know, don't worry, you know, because the China balloon, you know, we took care of the China balloon. And I stood up off my chair and I was saying to myself, Joe, come on, just say that these three other UAPs may not have been man-made. All you got to say, man, just say these other three UAPs may not have been man-made. Had President Biden said that on live TV, he would have become the disclosure president right then and there. A couple of words. He didn't have to say they were alien. He didn't have to say they were extraterrestrials from Mars or Pleiades. All he had to say was they may not have been. It would have been huge. It would have been so exciting. It would have ushered in a whole new era. So ever since then, I've been writing, I've been emailing President Biden and Mark Milley and Lloyd Austin and Senator Gillibrand in New York and Senator Padilla in California. And I've been saying, look, you know, I'm a researcher. I'm very concerned about the three UAPs that we shot down. It's been two, it's been two months, over two months. Can you please let us know or give us some idea what they were? No one has asked Biden, not one person has asked Biden, Mr. President, remember those three UAPs you shot down? You know, what were those? No one, the New York Times, CNN, Fox, no one has asked, no one has followed up. And it concerns me because if they were truly extraterrestrial, it seems to me that would have been a good time for our leaders to tell us the truth. And if they were man-made, China or Russia, okay, then they should have told us that. They've told us nothing. There's been absolutely no follow-up by the government or by the media to let us know, those of us who are passionate about this subject. So I've been very concerned and very upset about that since, since February. What do you think the government might win by disclosing? Let, let me actually ask you the question. What do you think the biggest obstacle preventing government from disclosing information about UFOs and extraterrestrial life is? Well, up until the other day, I had two big theories, and, and I just added a third theory. So here, these are my three major theories, and I didn't make these up. Other, I, This is just what I've gathered from my own life. Theory one, they don't want to cause a mass panic, because in 1938, Mal, as you know, Orson Welles did yeah. War of the Worlds radio broadcast from New York live, in which Martians come to Earth, uh, to New Jersey, to kill people. And people from coast to coast in 1938 people who had radios in 38 panicked hundreds of people across the country panicked people had heart attacks people were going to the to the police people were hiding from a radio program so and then in 47 was the roswell crash and then truman who was president probably thought you know we just had a roswell crash we retrieved three dead bodies and one live alien that's the rumor i can't tell America that this happened. We just, it's, we're nine years out from Orson Welles. We're only two years out from atomic bombs over Japan in World War II. And, I, and, and we're competing with Russia for technology. I, I don't want to scare people, tell them aliens are here. So that's when the government obfus, obfuscation and cover up 
startups began. So the theory one, why no one's ever told us, theory one, to uh, alleviate mass panic. That's theory one. Theory two, which I know Richard Dolan believes in, is that aliens are so far technologically advanced from us that they would have free energy. They would be able to, if they were kind enough, benevolent, and the aliens in my book after they came are, are benevolent and give us them. But if real aliens came and gave us free technology by which to create free energy, you know, I think it's called zero point energy. We wouldn't need oil, gas, or nuclear reactors anymore. Every, we'd have free energy and all the billionaire oil oligarchs in Russia and Saudi Arabia and the Middle East and Texas. Or, or lithium batteries. Right. Sure, sure. I didn't think of that one, but sure. And we wouldn't need any other power source. We'd have free energy around the world. We'd all be on an equal plane. Everyone would have the same. We wouldn't have electric bills anymore. But but the oil, I believe Jolin called it the global macro economy, would change overnight if the aliens gave us something and oil went away. So the people who control oil, they certainly don't want that to happen. Well, that's why I said uh, before I asked you the question, what would the government gain from this? Because obviously lobby, lobbyists from both sides the oil industry and now the electric vehicle and the green industry, they're both pushing that, but there's plenty more out there. We have hydrogen, we have even water, we have salt water cars, so many others that are definitely zero emission that don't have to. And again, I don't mean to get into all these things because we're discussing UFOs, but I think, as you said, if we were presented with that information, what would happen to the major industries right now? But going back to what you said about 1938 and, and uh, War of the Worlds, I mean, those were different times. We hadn't had a Roswell crash. We hadn't had science fiction movies. I think the advancements in technology and, 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 and media literacy would be different if today something like that will, were to be announced by a leader. Sure. I absolutely agree with you. Um I was going to say what my third theory was, and then and then your question that was really good. It's really a good question. What does the president? What does the government and military have to gain by telling us? So let's get to that in a second. My third theory, I believe, Alvi Loeb. I saw a headline somewhere on on computer, and I didn't print it out. Oh, there's really so, yeah. Alvi Loeb says something like, "The the extraterrestrials have asked us not to reveal their presence on Earth. They're not ready yet." And I thought, wow, well, that's pretty huge, right? If they don't want President Biden or any previous president to reveal them, perhaps we're honoring their wishes. So that, I just saw that the other day. And that's an article that's a couple of years old. So those are the three theories, I think, why they don't help. And your question is absolutely brilliant. No one has asked me that before. I don't know if I have an answer. What would the... Biden and the military and the government have to gain, and I think the only answer is when they when they do land in Times Square, and they're obviously here, or they land in the White House lawn, or in, in my book they land at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. What do you tell? Well, what do you tell before you you go on and I apologize for interjecting, but you mentioned Avi Loeb, and I bet you a, a lot of our listeners might know who know who he is. Explain who Professor Avi Loeb is. I'm not well-versed on him. I know he's an Israeli. I believe he was a military scientist with the military, and he's sort of gone off script and been talking about aliens and UFOs for several years. And yep. he's a I think he's a proponent for disclosure, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely. He's a theoretical physicist, a very reputable gentleman. And when, some, when people like that speak, we listen. We should listen. And the question is, what happens after? I've tried to get a hold of him. Uh, we re get a response from someone, but all of a sudden there's media silence about that story. Stanton Friedman was another one, obviously. Stanton oh, Friedman. Yes. Just, yeah, he was he was screaming from the mountaintops. They're here. They're real. I'm a physicist. I'm a genius. You know, I'm not a kook. I know what I'm talking about. He co-wrote the book with Kathleen Barnett about the yep. party. I know them both. Well, the, the, the late, great uh, Stanton Friedman and, and Kathleen. Yes, absolutely. She continues with a torch. She does. She, I became friends with her on email this year. She's been a, a friend, became a friend of mine on email. Um, so what does the government have to gain? I, uh, 
I did, again, I did George Norrie Monday night and we were talking about disclosure and he said on the air, he goes, Dan, in my opinion, the government's never going to, to give us disclosure. It's never, ever going to happen. I totally yeah. agree. I, I always say that if disclosure ever happens, real disclosure, it will be at a grassroots level. And I have to tell you, whether it's the left or the right, Dan, I, I don't know that I can believe if, if any president comes and says, yes, this is what it is. You probably have heard of uh, Dr. Carol Rosen, The Last Card and Project Blue Beam and all those things. Perhaps there's a time in the future where they want to do that. And I'm concern at a certain time in the future if they ever did to unite the world and it could be that we had the technology i mean look at milton torres in the 1954 he was basically told by his superiors just go up there and shoot down a ufo the size of an aircraft carrier this is 1954 imagine the technology that we could have now oh absolutely well here's a question now how did if, if the three UAPs were extraterrestrial craft, if they were, how did they allow how did exactly. they allow us to, to shoot them down? Because right? <laughs> they've been pretty good for a long time about not getting shot down. So those UAPs are such a conundrum. I, I would be fascinated, and I think people around the world would really love to know what the heck those things really were. Well, we are told that they were shut down. Do we have any proof that they were shut down? Because right. as you said, if they are if this is an advanced civilization that comes from light years away, what a pity would be to come here and be shut down or crash like Roswell. I, I See, I'm, I'm just listening to what the government is telling us, but I have no evidence that they actually shut down a an extraterrestrial craft, let alone a foreign adversary craft. That's right, because they never told us. They, they, they said they announced huge, huge news. We shot down three unidentified objects in the sky. Huge news. And then there was no follow-up by them or from the media, right? The media has a responsibility to at least ask. They should ask that Kareen lady, uh, Biden's spokesperson. Hey, Kareen, um, I have a question. Remember in February, the president shot some things down? Can you ask him what the heck those were? We, you know, we really, no, no one. It's like it, it's like it never happened because they deflected like a magician, a China balloon. Everything it went the topic went back to China balloon. Did you watch Dr. Kirkpatrick's uh speech now with um Senator Gil, uh, Gillibrand? No, refresh my memory. Okay, so uh, this is about 3 weeks ago. He's the head of Arrow, A A R O. And do you need do you need me to tell you what that stands for because I have it written down. Go ahead. If you want. If not, that's okay. We'll find it. Here it is. Okay, so a few weeks ago, uh, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick in Washington, D.C., gave a talk for about, a, about an hour to to, that, to uh, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, the uh, senator from New York. He's the head of ARO, A-A-R-O, which stands for All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office. And apparently that was set up, I believe, in 2021 by the government to look into UFOs and UAPs. And I watched the whole thing, Mel, and not once did Senator Gillibrand ask this guy, what did we shoot down in February? Did you get the debris? Did you look at the debris? Can you give us some insights? He was sitting right there. The head guy, according to our government, the head spokesman, let's say, on behalf of UAP research, in the United States, this is the head guy. And she didn't even ask him that question. That would have been my first question. Would have been my first question. Not one. Well, you know, the China balloon, um, and you know, uh, we're, you know, we're not military, so we can't shoot things like that. Down. But no one asked him. And it just was, it was shocking to me how that's been swept under the rug very well, by the way. Uh, I befriended Steve Bassett recently. You know Steve Bassett? Very well. He just wrote to me today. Uh, that's fine. He wrote to me yesterday. I may become his publicist. I met him at UFO Con in San Francisco in March. We became friendly. He did a talk, Mel, for the assembled there. And at the end, he, about disclosure, as you know, he's very passionate about disclosure. And at the end, he said, I have a new hashtag, months, not years, for disclosure. His goal in life is disclosure, and that is hashtag months, not years. And he feels pretty strongly 
that we're getting very, very close. But then you and George Nori think we're not anywhere near there. So even within people at your level who know everything, you know, there's a big discrepancy between a Steve Bassett and a George Nori. It's very interesting. Well, I don't know everything, but what I know is that there's nothing really to gain because what happened in 1938, there's some similarities that would happen today too. The societal impact, the religious impact, the economic impact. I mean, look at where we are right now. I mean, the banking system is failing and, and all those things. Do we need to add more fuel to the fire? Unless it would be a big distraction and they would tell us, well, we have been interacting with them for decades. We couldn't tell you unless we felt that you were prepared. We have been slow dripping and this is, um, uh, gosh, what's his name from, from the UK? The former X-Files guy. Uh, Nick, Nick Pope. Nick Pope. Nick Pope. That's what he says. The slow drip of this information right now, if they were able to come out and say, look, we now have the capability of having technology that has anti-gravity properties. Forget about the planes that you know. We're going to have anti-gravity properties. Uh, this is going to be a revolutionary process for shipping, for transportation, for travel. If that were the case, we would become a utopia in, in less than 10 years. But do I think th th there's some realistic part of me that says that's not going to happen anytime soon. I think you're probably right. I mean, I love your question. What does the government have to gain? I don't think they have much to gain at all, but conversely, what does the human race have to gain? And I would say everything, everything. What if the extraterrestrials come and say, you know, uh, we know God. Okay. So uh, there has to be God. Like Eric Von Daniken has always said, You know, there has to be God because who created the extraterrestrials, right? So, okay, okay, so, okay, there has to be God. But what if they came and say, you know, we were in your, we're in your Bible. We, we, we interacted with Moses and the Israelites in Egypt, which I absolutely believe is true. Um, you know, we knew Jesus Christ. We, we, we advised Jesus. What if they, the, these gave, gave us knowledge and wisdom and, and our own history of mankind? How, how we progressed from chimpanzees and cavemen and Cro-Magnon men. And now, you know, we have Einsteins and Stephen Hawking's and Steven Spielberg's, these unbelievable geniuses. And that happened in a relatively short time. And we're the only, we are by far the most unique creature on planet Earth. And, and there's so many theories, and I, I believe this, Eric Van Dwendanikin's theory, is that the ETs came here tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of years ago helped guide our civilization to advance. And I think we're all part ET. There's, there, there's, there are DNA strands in every human body that scientists don't know what they do. There are people who are psychic. There are people who have visions. There are people who have sort of ESP abilities. I think that's part of their tapping into their DNA from within. So, so knowledge and wisdom and history and, and art Religion would, would, religion would, would go upside down. If they said, you know what, what, what you all think is, is God, we have to tell you it's been us all this time. Well, a lot of people would be very upset about that, for sure. I um, think, Dan, that, I think George also agrees with this. The way they're going to do it in the future, now with the going back to the moon, going to Mars, I think they're going to say, well, we found microbial life on in Mars. That will be the first step because from there you can start building up. But at the same time, if you completely shock the population, one of the first questions I would have would be, if you knew this for so long, why didn't you tell us? What else are you lying about? And I think the best way to do this is to say, because you were not prepared. Our main goal is to guarantee domestic tranquility and we have to do it slowly. So the first thing I would do is to give amnesty to the people who knew the truth and are coming out because this could be a crime against humanity. If we knew that we had cures, that we have, that we have had zero, zero point energy, you know, machines that we have technology that could make oil and, and, and lithium, as I mentioned, uh, obsolete. Imagine if we knew about this for decades. Well, apparently we have, you know, apparently we have known about this for a very long time. Well, that's what I'm saying. If we, if the public knows that the government was sitting on that information and they let 
a lot of, let's say the cure for cancer, the cure for COVID or whatever it might be. The fact that we've lost millions of people in the past few years, all those diseases, knowing that we had those cures, people will be questioning, why didn't you release this information? And they probably would say, because we couldn't fracture society. All the industries would would crumble and we just couldn't do that so quickly. We needed to prepare you. Well, then the public would say to our leaders, you know, who are you to decide uh, at this level of information? Who are you to keep this level of information? This is not like we're, we have a back channel in Russia and we're going to try to kill Putin or something like that. This is world shattering history and not historic knowledge. And and I, I, I kind of like I'm going back to Avi Loeb's theory or, or statement that the extraterrestrials said don't tell don't tell the earth yet about us we're not ready that actually Mel, that kind of makes sense to me because if it came from them that could be why they they, they've been covering up all this going so far out of their way to cover up for all this time maybe the the ets just don't want it to be known yet maybe they're just not ready for it yet but who was president biden or putin or or king charles or they did not give the world this remarkable, unbelievable knowledge. It's it's not their place. It's, it's it exceeds any politician. You know the I think it's the 1967 Outer Space Treaty or the Extraterrestrial Contact Law. You're aware of that, where you cannot come into contact with any extraterrestrial. So the question would be, if the government is not admitted of the existence of extraterrestrial life, why would they even have that law in place? There's a lot of there's a lot of proof hidden between the sofa cushions that people, researchers, the Dolans and, and the Giorgios and Eric's and the Nick Pope's and, and the Bassett's and the Stephen Greer's. There's a lot of data and memos and FOIA memos that have been released that show a lot of interesting things. You probably saw the, the memo from J. Edgar Hoover bitching and moaning, I forget to who, about he didn't have access to the Roswell craft. He said, how come my men didn't have access to the to the crash, the vehicle we wanted to look at it? It just so there's so much there. The average person listen, the average person knows nothing about this topic whatsoever. The average person, aliens, UFOs, oh yeah, ET, War of the Worlds, Independence Day, great movies. Um, let's go to the grocery store now. The average person that gives this topic very little to no thought. People who are fascinated about it, people like me, um, have given this a lot of thought and, and getting angry. I'm angry. I'm, I'm not happy that Biden and the others won't just say, look, you know, or even drip it out more. Stephen Bassett said since 2017, when uh, the, the, the group was on the front page of the New York Times, that uh, we had a secret group studying UFOs for all those years. It was the front page of New York Times. And then those three Navy videos were released. Well, that was, no, that was pretty big. That was pretty Herculean in the the history since 47 Roswell till now. That was the biggest, like, hey, world, we're, you know, okay, our government admits there's there's stuff that we don't know. That was a first. That's why he's feeling optimistic that every couple of months we're getting closer to disclosure. You mentioned but, Hoover. Uh, you mentioned Hoover, March 22nd, 1950, I think it was, the the memo that he put out. Uh, basically, he wanted, he wasn't so interested, but I think it was. We were in the middle of the Cold War, and the Central Intelligence Agency wanted to keep that information to themselves, national security. And uh, I think he created the Central Intelligence Office within the FBI. Do you think this is where the X-Files comes from? It's, well, I'll ask you. First of all, X-Files is my all-time favorite TV show. Oh, me too. One. All-time favorite. I've watched every episode probably five times. But Mel, let me ask you, because I don't know. Is the X-Files a real thing in, in the FBI? Is that a real thing? Because I don't know. I've asked that question many times, and I, I either know or I don't. I do not know the answer. But I've had people, I uh, remember uh, Bob Dean, you probably remember Robert O. Dean, who passed away a few years ago, a good friend of this program, good friend of mine. And he had many conversations with me. And I asked him, he met, what was the creator, Alan Carter? 
I believe it was Chris, the, Chris, Chris Carter. Carter. Chris Carter, exactly. He met with Chris Carter once, and he said, "Chris, how in the world do you get all these great screenplays and scripts and this and that?" And he said, "Well, we have a lot of people from the government who pass information to our to our scriptwriters all the time, so they must know a lot." And as you know, they use a lot of science fiction to basically filter the truth through it. What do you think? Uh, that's great. And also that reminds me of a story I, I, I read about Steven Spielberg. You probably know this. And I met Steven in 2010. Anyway, I, mean, I should have asked him this question, but I talked the to Reagan question, the Reagan question. <laughs> and he said, you know, after he showed E.T. at the White House in 82, Reagan got up. He was the president, stood up in front of the room and said, there are many people right here, right now in this room who know that everything we just saw on that screen is absolutely real. And according to Spielberg, he wasn't laughing or smiling. He was dead serious. And that's just, that that story is just mind-blowing. It's just remarkable. And plus, Reagan gave the speech at the UN about, you know, I often feel that we would all be united if we were, you know, if we were threatened by a force from not from out of this world. Well, what other president ever said anything like that? None. Before or since. He knew, he knew, he knew, he had to have known. Um, regarding, here's, here's, here's my theory. My theory is that, well, let me ask you this. What do you think about Majestic 12? Do you think, was that real? Were those papers real? Were they forgery? Because it seems to me that whoever forged them did a hell of a job. Again, whatever comes from the government, I always have to put a grain of salt because I don't don't know. Uh, their their job is to protect domestic tranquility. Uh, Project Blue Book, they say that it was canceled. Do I believe that? No. I think they continue. They continue in so many other ways. Uh, you know, you're talking about Ron, President Reagan. I'm thinking, how many years did we keep that intro on the program? I even know it by heart. You know, well, uh, what would he say? Uh, our differences worldwide would vanish uh, if we were faced with an alien threat now, or something along... Yeah, from out of this world. From out of this world. Exactly. Why would a government leader go to the United Nations to say that? And then we have uh, Richard Nixon. You probably heard the story that he was friends with, uh, Jackie, with Gleason. Jackie Gleason. And he actually drove a car himself without any security detail, picked him up. And I think they went to Homestead and they in Florida. In Florida. And uh, Jackie was never the same after what he saw. I think, let's say, let's for the sake of argument, let's say Majestic 12 existed. Truman knew about Roswell. They announced the crash at Roswell. It was, in, now I'm a publicist. I've issued tens of thousands of press releases in my life, okay? Tens of, I've been a publicist for over 40 years. You don't put out a press release to the press if it's BS or you haven't vetted it or it's not legit. I'm not a BS, you know, publicist. I don't announce nonsense. So I guess Jesse Marcel put out that press release. And then the next day, they said, oh, sorry, never mind. Like, like Gilda Radner, never mind. Uh, it was a weather balloon. Right. Well, well, Truman and his people, when they heard that there was a press release, their heads probably exploded. They probably, can imagine the yelling and screaming in that room in Washington. When they found out that Jesse Marcel sent out a press release that they had a, a UFO craft in their possession, their heads must have exploded. So they were yelling and screaming, and someone made an angry call to that fort in, in Roswell and said, you guys take this back. I don't care how you do it. You take it back immediately. This never happened. So I think Majestic 12 or a group like it must have been created by Truman. And over the decades of time, I believe, it became all powerful, and I, I believe Dick Cheney and George Bush Senior were part of it in, in, in more recent decades, and they perpetuate the obfuscation, the denial, the discrediting of media, the discrediting of eyewitnesses. Um, they made a joke. They made a joke out of people seeing, you know, swamp gas. The famous Dr. Alan Hynek swamp swamp gas. Thing. I think it was the 60, mid-60s, and I think it was in Michigan, Project Blue Book. Um, I'm losing my train of thought here. But That's I, okay. I, so getting back to Chris Carter. So, yeah, let's say there are descendants and descendants of descendants 
from Majestic 12. I mean, I'm not saying they're, they're sons and they're grandsons and they're great, but let's say as each guy died off, he probably tapped the shoulder, you know, of, 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 of his secretary and said, okay, you take the ball, Joe. And then the next guy tapped his shoulder, you take the, the, the ball, Billy. And so I think it perpetuated. I think they're in charge of all things alien and UFO. I think they created the, the whole men in black situation. So many people have reported men in black and the black helicopters. I don't think that's make-believe. Uh, and I don't think that's our Pentagon or president presidents. I think it's a whole, we have a whole other government within our government. Um, did you ever hear this mail that Eisenhower wanted to visit Area 51 and they told him he couldn't come? Did you hear that one? He wanted to invade it because of, of what you just said. Isn't that great? Eisenhower, who won World War II, five-star general, beat the Nazis. He couldn't get into Area He couldn't get into Area 51 as the president. Okay, that says it all. Think about that. Who was more powerful than him? Well, clearly, others. In his farewell speech, he said, beware of the military-industrial complex. That's what he was talking about. He knew, he knew, there's, you know, there's theories that JFK wanted to tell the world about disclosure. I don't know if you've heard that. You probably heard that. Oh, of course. And that might be why he was assassinated. I've heard that he wanted to cooperate. This is, this is amazing. He wanted to cooperate with Khrushchev to send a joint team to the moon together. Think about the, how yeah. remarkable that would have been. If, had that happened, could have ended the Cold War, could have created glass-nosed, you know, 25, 30 years earlier. Before, than yeah. Happened. Um, and, and, and the people who, you know, run Majestic 12 to, in the 60s said, what, is he crazy? He's going to tell people about aliens? He's going to cooperate with Khrushchev? I don't think so. He's going to end the Vietnam War? No, no. Uh, yeah, he, he would have become Gorbachev 20-some years before. You're right. Right, exactly. I think Glasnost was 84. Yeah. Kennedy was 63, so 20 years before. Um, well, let me ask you this, because you're mentioning something interesting. I, I think, just this is just my opinion, if we had to say which president in modern times was really close to the George Bush Sr. and Vice President Cheney, those two people strike me just because Bush was involved with the CIA. I mean, he was CIA director for some time. And then right. Cheney was national defense secretary for, for years and vice president. But there's one person that I'd like to discuss with you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we're geeking out about this subject because I don't get a chance to go back and forth of the way we're doing it today. Uh, okay. James Forrestal, the first the secretary of defense of the United States. He uh, Kennedy was his protege, JFK. And they actually went after the war to Pinamunda, I believe, and they visited. They came back and they knew about this exotic technology they had there. All of a sudden, he goes into a mental institution and then allegedly jumps from the building and commits suicide. One of the orderlies, and this is according to Dr. Michael Sala, I believe, one of the orderlies, when Forrestal's brother came to, to identify the body, he said he did not kill himself. Did you know that story? I know. I know, yeah, I know. I know almost all of it. Almost all of it. Well, according to legend, UFO legend, Forrestal was one of the original Majestic Twelve, appointed by Truman in forty-seven. And according to UFO legend, he was the what? He was the Jiminy Cricket in the room. He was like, "Hey, everyone! Instead of covering." all this remarkable information up. We have a crap, we have bodies, we have a living creature. What if we just simply shared it with the world? He was the lone, what's it called? The, the canary in the coal mine, I think it's called. Yep. He was the one, only one of his kind. And the other guys apparently freaked out. What are you, crazy? What are you, a lunatic? And then someone, not his family, and I don't know if it was Truman, but someone had him committed yet. Yeah. How do you get committed to a mental hospital if it's not your own family, right? Like, did President Truman go make a call to a hospital and say, look, get this guy, get this guy out of my hair? Who who sent that would be something to find out. Who sent him to that mental hospital? He might have been a loose cannon. Maybe he was talking too much. Who knows? That's uh, why. But, That's why. But the, I guess the question is because his family wouldn't have committed to him. Um, same thing with Admiral Byrd. Wasn't he? 
also, you remember, you, you've seen probably the video on, on the, uh, I forgot that they watch brand, but he was out there talking about his visits to Antarctica and all that and Operation High Jump. And we can discuss if that's true or not. But he was also uh, sent to a mental institution, I believe. That I didn't know. That I didn't know. I know that he went to Antarctica and I believe he encountered flying saucers. And when he came back, tr tried to spill out some of the truth, but he was um, censored. But I, did, I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know that. What do you think about what do you think about someone like Bob Lazar? Is he a hero? Is he a kook? I've heard both things. What do you think about him? I have developed this sense when somebody's lying to me or when somebody's telling the truth. And I've known a lot of people in this community, and I'm obviously I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus because UFO community can sometimes turn into a cottage industry and you don't want to destroy anybody's career. But I knew John Lear. I knew a lot of people. and. They all told me Bob Lazar was telling the truth. And every time I hear Bob Lazar, I don't feel, I don't get the lying wave coming from him. I think he was telling the truth. I can't confirm it. I'm, this is just my gut feeling. Why would you jeopardize your physical body and your well-being and your existence? I mean, I think he's one of the bravest people, you know? How brave, I mean, because like the forest stalls of the world and, and, and countless others who we don't know about. Um, you know, descendants of, of, of people who worked, descendants of military men at Roswell who cleaned up the facts. Descendants years and years and years later, I forget the girl's name. She said, military came to our house and said, if any of you say anything that you knew about this, we're, we're going to kill all of you out in the desert and bury your bodies and you'll never be found again. So for anyone to come out and be that brave as a Bob Lazar, not get, you know, and not get JFK'd the next day, how did he not get killed? I mean, he, I don't know if Bob Lazar has a good bodyguard. I, I think the reason why he didn't get killed, because JFK, for multiple reasons, as you said, the UFOs, the yeah. Federal Reserve, he wanted to, he did print a few billion dollars in, in U.S. coin and not Fed notes. Those are things that affect the whole industry-wide. But when it comes to Bob Lazar, they can simply say, we don't know who you are. You never worked here. And what you're saying sounds like science fiction. So if you kill him, then you make him a martyr. And then you make people wonder, oh, he must have known the truth. Let him leave him alone and let people believe that he's just a cook. That's that's the that's the theory, Mel, for uh, Fox Mulder on the X-Files, right? It's the same yep. thing. When, when, you know, Smoking Man, they always ask Smoking Man, how come you just don't kill Mulder? Because then he'll become a martyr, and people will, will look into this further. So just let him do what he wants to do. Um, I turned my daughter, my daughter's 33, and I just turned her on to X-Files recently. And she goes, Dad, this show was so great. I wish I had watched this, you know, earlier in my life. So I've turned her on. She's a new convert. Your daughter well, and my daughter, <laughs> same thing. She was She's 16, but she started watching it at 15, and she absolutely loves it. And she hasn't gotten to the news, the new the newer series, the newer seasons, which I, by the way, I thought they, they became better later in the newer seasons too. I liked, I liked all the way through. Here's a funny side story. Um, I used to get allergy shots for many years here in LA and Robert Patrick used to get allergy shots here in LA too. You bump and into him? Me and Robert Patrick, you know, and we'd have great talks. Um, I told him what a fan I was. We we used to get allergy we used to get allergy shots side by side. We're a super nice guy. I thought he was a wonderful guy. Yeah, I think he and uh, what's the other the female character? Basically, yeah. they took over for for Fox Mulder and for and, Scully for a while. What's her she name? Was, she, Annabeth Gish. And Annabeth Gina Gish, yes, love her. She, she was just on Succession this past month, two nights ago. She was on Succession, and he and she. I always thought she was very beautiful. You can see her now. She is. She's, she's aged. She's, this is 30 years later. But she was very attractive. I had a girlfriend years ago who looked a little like her, so I have a crush on well, her. Well, she's aging like a like fine like wine old, because like, in, like the, in, the, in the latest TV, uh, in the latest seasons of X-Files, she came back and she looked great. That's, that's true. But even those are now a couple of years back. Yep. Even the, the newest are a couple of years back. What a great show that was. Now, what do so you I, think of, of uh, Fox Mulder? Uh, uh, David Duchovny and and um, uh, 
Jillian mm-hmm. Anderson that in real life, it's the opposite I hear. She's the believer and he's the skeptic. That I didn't know. That I've been told. I'd never heard that before. That's very interesting. She's on a show I've been watching called Sex, Sex Education on Netflix. She has a, She's a British sex educator and she has a teenage son. And it's a, that's a, it's a very funny show called Sex Education on Netflix. Duchovny, the last thing I saw was he was in a movie with Jonah Hill. Um, I don't know what he's up to anymore. I think Gillian Anderson is Oscar material. I think she's one of the best talents I've ever seen. She's just incredible. She can do anything. I mean, look, her performance as, as the queen. Right. As, as, as Thatcher, I'm sorry. Well, I think, who, you know who she got an Emmy? Whoever the casting director was that matched up Duchovny and Anderson. Oh, yeah. For Mulder and Scully. The two of them, man, the chemistry. My, my daughter says that the chemistry these guys, these two have, it's unbelievable. They're, they're so, they finish each other's sentences. They compliment each other. They have fights, but they're super intellectually brilliant fights. And I said, yeah, I said, I think whoever put those two people together, the casting agent should have got an Emmy Award for best casting. I really think so. That was truly smart TV. Every, every, was it Friday evening when it was coming out? Yes. Every exactly. Friday evening, I would watch that show all the time. And it was just great. This one, I think this is one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing, because yeah. I wanted to continue what I'm doing. And if you saw that, that, uh, Uh, that episode where they have somebody like, I don't want to say Alex Jones, but they had somebody in the episode. You remember that? Yes. I yes. wanted to be like, I wanted to be like that, you know, to share the truth with the world. And this is what I'm doing, trying to find disclosure the right way. And this is why Steve Bassett just called me today. Hey, can you give me some airtime to, to talk about the newest update? And I keep telling him like a broken record, like Steve, this is not going to happen. And I don't want to burst his bubble because he's so passionate about it. But yeah, but, I feel like we're the forefront of doing all of this. Well, Mel, if you and if you and Stephen had a, if you and Steve, well, I'd love to hear that. If you and Stephen had a disclosure why it will happen, disclosure why it won't happen, and you guys did like a debate, that would be fascinating. You should do that; It'd be fascinating. <laughs> right? I just I don't want to burst his bubble. I mean, I love Steve, but he knows where I'm thinking, and and he keeps every year telling me, "Yep, we're going to have disclosure next year," and I said, "Okay, we'll." I know we're going to come back talking about the same thing year after year. Hopefully, it's not going to be for much too long. I think that most people, if you were to do a survey, Dan, I, I think it used to be 56% when I started this program 15 years ago. Dr. Michael Sala uh, found that information through a survey. I would say that over 70% of the population believes that there's life outside of this planet. Absolutely. That really caught on. I think between the media, you know, look, movies, TV shows, um, enough UFO sightings on the news over the last 30 years to be sort of leaning in that direction. Certainly since 2017, the New York Times, man, they were brave. They took a giant step forward with that front page story, 2017. Um, How do you feel about, and I have not met him or spoken to him, but how do you feel about Stephen Greer? I have met him. I've been in one of the conferences. I've interviewed him. I, I That's probably one of the most frequently asked questions of people who, who sent me questions. What do you think of Dr. Stephen Greer? I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I remember the disclosure movement back in 2001, May. That was incredible. That reinvigorated me. That To me, that was incredible, bringing all these former government officials and military personnel, Dr. Carl Russell, and I met a, a bunch of people who became my friends eventually. And then on September the 10th, if you remember this, uh, Donald Rumsfeld, Secretary of Defense, goes in front of the Congress to say, we lost $2.3 trillion. Remember that? And the next day, we get 9-11. And that, in my opinion, obliterated the efforts of Dr. Greer at the time Because that was traction, May, June. We were just talking about all these things. And he had more information coming out every week. And that all got displaced into the background uh, until, I would say, now. I didn't I didn't know about the Rumsfeld story. I didn't hear that one. Are, yeah, you, yeah. are, you, are you saying that? So uh, 
well, you know, there's theories that we bomb the towers ourselves. You know, there's that documentary, Loose Chains. You've probably seen that. Yeah. That's, that's pretty convincing, man, how they have the explosions on all the floors. Well, I'm just how- saying that $2.3 trillion got lost. And what I say all the time, my very first job was at a grocery store when I was 17. <laughs> and I, for some reason, $400 got lost. I was suspended for a week. But our government loses $2.3 trillion and nothing happens. And Catherine Austin Fitz says that it's not $2.3 trillion. It's more, I'm not even going to say the amount. But in the in today's world of digital currency, where every penny can be accounted for, how do you lose $2.3 trillion? And where did that money go? Why can't they just tell us, look, we need money into black projects because this is for national defense purposes and we need to appropriate all of this to do it. Why can't you just tell us instead of lying that way? Well, well, who pays, who pays for area 51? I mean, those we do. Yeah, of course. They're, they're not working there for free for their help. It's, it's really sad. It's sad. Can we uh, jump into my uh, 1970 sighting? We get exit. Well, I wanted to do that. We have five more minutes before the break. Let's okay. start. Let's start with your childhood and what happened. And it, obviously, we're going to discuss a lot during the next hour. And your dad, the fact that he probably knew more. But start with your childhood and your experience. Yes. Sure. Okay. Thank you. So, in uh, I grew up just outside Asbury Park, New Jersey, which is the Jersey Shore. It's very famous because Bruce Springsteen was from there as well. And my dad worked for Fort Monmouth. Uh, it was an army base in New Jersey, Fort Monmouth. He was a GS. He worked his way up to a GS-13, which is pretty high up for a civilian. He was an electronics engineer. He worked there from 1951 to 1996, and, and he invented and designed missile systems, radar systems, and drones. I know that for a fact. In 1970, now, one day in 1970, March 1970, my dad picked me up from school. And he's driving me home, suburban New Jersey neighborhood, uh, daytime, about four o'clock. As we're driving, I look through his windshield, and above our car was a huge silver V like Victor craft. It was maybe 200 feet, 300 feet, no more than that, hovering silently and moving just very, very slowly. No, no noise, no uh, propulsion, no flames or smoke, nothing, just up there. And I'm and I'm screaming in the car, Dad, stop the car. There's a UFO. Stop the car. There's a UFO. He stopped the car. Mel, we got out. We walked to the front of the car. We looked straight up. And I'm literally I'm 14. I'm jumping up and down. Dad, this is so cool. Dad, this is so cool. We're seeing the UFO. And Mel, my dad looked at it like he was looking at a head of lettuce at the supermarket. No expression. No fear. No happiness. No joy. No, so, no, no expression at all. Like he was looking at his car in a car wash, no expression. Then he turned to me, winked, winked, and said, come on, kid, let's go home. Now, I forgot about that event for 47 years. 40, I did not remember that that happened until 2017. My dad died in 2017. I was very sad. I went to a restaurant to get lunch, get a pastrami sandwich at lunch. And as I'm waiting for my sandwich melt out of the universe, heaven, God, whatever it was, something would beamed into my brain from above. I swear to you, it was beamed into my brain. And I saw the whole movie of me and my dad watching that set 1970 UFO sighting. I watched it again in 2017. I saw it in my brain, very crystal clear. And I so noticed how my dad had no expression. And I saw how my dad winked at me. And I said, oh, my, I said out loud, I said, oh, my God, my dad knew what that was. He had to. His, the, based on his reaction, any other person on the planet would have been either scared to death or, or, or happy like me and jumped up and down. He had no, how do you have no expression? If you're like seeing a pyramid of Egypt above, you know, your best friend's house down the street in suburban New Jersey, how do you have no reaction? So after the fact, I put two and two together, and I, and I strongly believe this to be true, that my dad helped to design whatever that was. I believe it was a military drone, a military man-made army drone with using reverse alien, uh, crashed alien technology. And 
after the break, I'll tell you more about my dad's background. But based on his reaction, which was abnormal, no other person on the planet would have had that reaction unless he knew what that thing was. Obviously, I want to know if he, your dad, your late dad, if he ever talked about UFOs or aliens with you after your sighting. But that reminds me of Dr. Fred Bell. You remember who Dr. Fred Bell was? No. No. It was an incredible mind, just like David Adair, another great mind. He's still with us. Dr. Fred Bell died a few years ago, but he told me that in California, very close to where you are, I think it was in the 1960s or 70s, I don't remember exactly, but he said that he stood up, he was hiking one day in one of the canyons, and he saw this V-shaped craft. Apparently it was disabled, very slow, with two helicopters on each side, apparently going to, to, to one of the military facilities over there. But these, let's call them the Aurora, TR-3Bs, could they be us? And maybe one day, if there's another conflict now, I mean, we're getting every single day, we get closer to World War III, whether it's with Russia or China. But do you think that we'll see another Operation Desert Storm where we're going to be bringing out new technology that we thought was science fiction just like we did in 1991? And I'll get your answer on the other side. Tell us, okay. how, how can people buy After They Came, your new book? Oh, yeah. After They Came, Dan Harari, H-A-R-A-R-Y, on Amazon, Kindle, or paperback. And it came out March 1st. It's been embraced. I've been very blessed. It's been embraced and endorsed by Nick Pope, Richard Dolan, Travis Walton, Kathleen Martin, Lynn Kitai, and Chase Klutzky. And uh, I have some other people reading it right now. Earl Gray Anderson, the new head of MUFON LA, he's reading it as we speak. And uh, I've gotten wonderful reviews on the book. I gave a copy mail to Eric Van Daniken at AlienCon. I handed him a copy. I said, Eric, I want to give, the, gift this to you. He goes, cool. He goes, I haven't read this one yet. I go, I go, Eric, it just came out three days ago. <laughs> That's why you haven't read it. I'm hoping to hear from him soon. But um, it's an original science fiction novel. I have ribbons of factual ufology throughout, and it was inspired by my dad. And I'll, I, on the other side, I'll tell you how I thought about the book right after my dad passed. From all those people you mentioned, the only one we haven't had on this show is Travis Walton. He's a friend, I know him. And uh, I guess his story has been told so, so many times that I don't even know what to ask because he has been I mean, I remember when I watched that movie. Along One day, living in California, Southern California, I went to Blockbuster and I rented it along with Communion, and that reinvigorated my interest in all these subjects. But maybe we need to bring Dr. I mean, Travis Walton and also Dr. Jonathan Reed. You probably know who he is, do you? Um, I don't know who that is. Dr. Jonathan Reed, and I'm going to say this now because probably one of the most, in my opinion, one of the most incredible and important stories in all of UFO. I mean, this is this is a doctor who is hiking with his dog in, in, in the countryside in Washington, and all of a sudden, he bumped into a being and a craft, and the being attacked his dog and killed it. And he wow. came and killed the being, took him inside of his home, took video. Really? Really? There's this physical, physical evidence. There's video the, the 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 alien opened its eyes he put him in a in a freezer it's an incredible story art bell did a magnificent job interviewing him decades ago and he's wow. a little bit reluctant to to be interviewed again but so many people have been telling him come to veritas and i'm saying this i'm going to send in the audio dr reed you know that you have an open door to come and tell your story again because Don't let that story be forgotten. It's one of the most important ones, in my opinion. But I'm here with Dan Harari. One more hour to go. Lots more information. This is Mel Hostlerick, and you are listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first part of this important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus members section or join the Veritas family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focus Life Force Energy. Get a 15-day free trial of FLFE today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. 
Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to Veritas. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know.